All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that is passionate about making more than one person healthier in this world. And I'm super excited to have Patrick Green on the show. Patrick Green has over 30 years in hospital operations experience, vast experience in hospitals. Um, He just came from Grady where he uh, implemented it. Well, anyway, I don't want to steal his thunder. He did some really great stuff. I'm, I'm hoping he can share what he's been up to and then what he's focusing now. But um, Patrick, so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. Thank you very much for having me. Great, great. Well, well Patrick, yeah, um, maybe you can, if we can get started by just, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your origin story and um, how did you get started off in healthcare and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I, uh, I've had a very full and interesting career in healthcare. I actually got my start as a dietary host at Gwinnett Medical Center. I was the guy that brought around the menus and picked up the uh, trays and opened the milk cartons for people who couldn't do it for themselves. Uh, That's how I got my start. Um, I worked my way up uh, through uh, the dietary department as a supervisor, then in a one-man central supply for a psych hospital. Uh, There I moved into business office operations Um, and uh, did that uh, first at Psych Hospital and then at a central business office for HCA hospitals in Atlanta back in the uh, 80s and 90s, where I became the patient account manager over four hospitals uh, that were being managed there. Uh, Then I went on to an in-hospital setting, uh, working at um, Barrow Medical Center that was owned by, at that point in time, she was a predecessor. Uh, eventually, it ended up being owned by HCA and went through three for-profit companies on the way to HCA. Um, and then I uh, took a weird jump over to a rural hospital CEO uh, where I served out in Madison, Georgia, at Morgan Memorial Hospital uh, for six years and uh, really enjoyed my time there. And then I went back into kind of the... Uh, larger hospital setting where I spent six years at Gwinnett Medical Center as the service line director for cardiovascular and imaging services, and then did the same type of role at DeKalb Medical for six years, and then just finished up five years at Grady Memorial Hospital, the large academic uh, safety net hospital in downtown Atlanta. So I've kind of spanned the for-profit, not-for-profit, the smallest hospital in Georgia to one of the largest hospitals in Georgia. Um, spent my my whole healthcare career in Georgia, and uh, that's why I've decided at this point in time to kind of step out of hospital um, administration and go into healthcare recruiting so that I can have a, a broader impact literally around the world. So I'm real excited about that. No, that's that's great to hear, Patrick. And yeah, you know, we'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, with your new recruiting focus, uh, your, your mindset and, and, um, you know, what, what this function is all about and why, why the recruiting aspect is so intriguing, especially in healthcare. I know at Grady, you, you had a big project that you worked on, um, that's, that's currently in, in feels to be in the future going to impact a lot of lives. I don't know if you want to, uh, go a little bit deeper into, into one of those projects. Yeah, the last project that I got approved through the Capitol Committee before I left Grady is one that I think's got far-reaching implications into the future. Um, We 
uh, got approval to purchase three Corindus vascular robotics uh, systems, um, which uh, have been in use in hospitals for almost a decade now. But where they are heading with it is into remote robotics. And in fact, uh, in December, there was the first uh, human remote robotic cases done um, in the world, uh, in India, uh, by uh, Dr. Patel, uh, son, uh, excuse me, Tejas Patel. Um, and he successfully did five PCIs on patients that were 20 miles away. So what this has the implications of doing is taking world-class skill sets of interventional cardiologists and literally operating on people around the world that may not have access to people with that skill set uh, in their own locations. Um, if that be South Georgia or if that be Shanghai. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's really exciting technology. Um, they, are, they are also working on stroke uh, mm -hmm. care as well, interventional neurology. And Grady's going to be involved in the research arena with that, with their tremendous uh, stroke program. Uh, I think the best in the country, maybe even the world um, at Grady. And so we're very excited about being a part of the stroke research and the remote robotic stroke as well. So I think mm -hmm. it's a project that will kind of put Grady on the map when it comes to cardiovascular research, whether uh, we're talking about the cardiac part, uh, heart or the vascular part in the brain, uh, either way, um, I think we're going to be seeing Grady be leading the way in pioneering those remote robotic uh, technologies. Mm -hmm. It was an exciting thing to do on my way out. Yeah, no, it's it's super exciting, and you can see the the scalability and you know how you can not commoditize but distribute the best practices and and, and have these people you know impact multiple lives. It, it feels like it's a whole other new type of science or industry in itself. What's the what's the field called? Is it more like is it just called like surgical telepresence or something like that? Or what's what's this called? Because I've never really heard too much about it. Yeah, the term of art, I think, is telerobotic intervention. Um, okay. And so that's, that's kind of the nomenclature they're hanging on it. Uh, if you're familiar with the da Vinci that's used for several types of surgeries, mm -hmm. this is the same type of device uh, that is used for um, catheterizations, uh, whether, mm -hmm. and it can have future implications for not only cardiac casts, but the as we said, the stroke and also the um, interventional peripheral intervention uh, work mm -hmm. as well. So again, those, those are, um, especially in the heart and stroke world, those are time sensitive um, treatments, therapies that are mm -hmm. proven to be, uh, you know, saving lives through saving heart muscle or saving brain tissue. And um, being able to bring the expertise of, world-class interventionalist, um, not bound by their locality is just mm -hmm. something that, that is just beyond exciting. Yeah, no, it's super exciting. It just feels just hearing it. It just feels like we're living in the future of surgery and, it, and it's, there's a magical time happening, you know, right now. And it's, it's, it's starting in the areas that need it most. Right. Um, yeah. so yeah. super, super exciting, Patrick. Um, well, 
maybe you can tell us a little bit on kind of like what you're excited about today. You know, you're ending this big chapter in, in your, your career where, you know, sh- super strong operations, executive, um, um, you know, projects and operations in hospitals from a hospital setting. And now you're in recruiting and I find recruiting very fascinating. You know, as you and I have talked about, you know, it, it feels like you get to place a team that gets to impact so many, but I'd love to hear your mindset and kind of what has you exciting in the, in the healthcare recruiting world and just anything else you're working on right now that, that, that you'd like to share. Yeah, I am working for a global recruiting firm called Addistone Group Incorporated, and we are really looking to take the expertise in Western medicine and um, take people that have learned in some of the best environments and uh, send them around the world, around the globe, where people are crying out for that. So the Mm -hmm. big uh, contracts that I have in front of me right now that I'm working to fill are in Saudi Arabia and China. We hope to soon have some in Vietnam. So it's kind of, again, that same mentality that I had about Corindus of getting that skill set out to where it's needed and maybe Mm -hmm. not being served well um, uh, because of lack of expertise. Uh, the mm-hmm. robotics is one way to do it on on a futuristic scale, but right now we need doctors, we need nurses, we need um, technologists, uh, physical therapists, you know, we need CEOs, COOs, um, CFOs, uh, leadership teams uh, that can go out and meet uh, the need of these expanding healthcare facilities in the third world and in uh, the Arabian Peninsula, North Africa, where um, they they have had things very centralized and kind of uh, moving towards decentralizing. But in order to do that, it takes human resources, human capital. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's an exciting endeavor, kind of, again, getting away from my local Georgia impact to have an impact around the world. Mm-hmm. And, and in the recruiting world, obviously, you know, fit feels like it's really important. Um, can you, for our listeners, can you talk about an example, maybe, maybe like the, the Shanghai one where, you know, it sounds like they're a facility or hospital looking for an executive, right. To, 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 to run their organization or make an impact in the organization. How do you find the right candidates that, you know, are willing to make that move to take that leadership step? They may, you know, I don't know if the requirement is that they, um, they speak, uh, you know, Mandarin or they've been to Shanghai before, but how do you, you know, get both sides of the market right in terms of fit? Maybe you like to share some best practices there. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is about communication. Um, mm-hmm. fortunately, uh, a lot of, the countries that we are recruiting to, uh, English is a very um, well-used language from the staff's point of view. Uh, definitely a um, issue for the staff working with patients. Many of the patients, of course, will not necessarily speak English in some of these cultures. So it is mm-hmm. a barrier. Finding mm-hmm. people who speak uh, local languages and dialects uh, would be a very uh, small um, haystack to be searching for needles in. And so, mm-hmm. frankly, uh, we still have to rely upon the 
translation services in a lot of those places um, to be able to get it to the patient level. From a physician or technologist level, though, interacting with the staff and the team, the educated uh, folks in the hospital setting, English uh, is a very viable alternative for most of these places. Mm -hmm. So it is about cultural fit, though, and cultural sensitivity, um, understanding the culture that you're moving into and treating it with respect um, and that, that takes special people, people that really, um, may want to kind of live their life on mission, if you will, to right. go pe- be a part of a different culture. You know, we, we have one year minimum contracts that we work with, but really we're looking for people who want to go make a significant, uh, portion of their life in these places so that they can help build a team and build a vibrant community of uh, healthcare workers that are dedicated to bringing best-in-class um, care to the patients that they serve. So it, it is a lot about finding those people with that mindset of going to serve uh, and going to um, go somewhere with respect and learn uh, what uh, they can from those people as well, because it's not a one-way um, uh, situation where you know we Westerners are are brilliant and uh, we can't learn from anybody else. Uh, there right. is a lot to be learned going both ways. So you want somebody who's open-minded and learning and uh, committed to to uh, respecting and honoring people's traditions and paradigms. That's great. No, that's great to hear. I know it's super exciting. I mean, yeah, it's, it feels like, yeah, you're, you're recruiting for someone seeking purpose, uh, you know, or growing their own purpose or, you know, and, and impact. Um, and, you know, someone that's looking, looking to learn and grow and which, which is super powerful and you get to distribute that knowledge set, you know, globally. And so it takes a special person, I think, to, to, to do that, but it's, it feels like the world's getting more flattened and, and the opportunities to do that are, are, are here. And so, um, just very interesting in terms of like, you know, your, your focus on recruiting and, you know, previous operations experience and how that, that can make, you know, a super big impact, which you're, which you're doing now. And, um, Patrick, though, this is, this is really super exciting. Um, you know, what I'd love to hear a little bit more about is, you know, where you see, you know, health going like in the future. So typically on our episodes, we, we talk about, you know, where someone's been, what they're focused on right now, what they're passionate about. Tell us about the future, Patrick. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily, um, you know, related to healthcare recruiting or healthcare operations, but what has you excited about the future? What's, what's something you believe that, you know, hasn't been proven yet. Just love to hear a little bit on how you're thinking about healthcare and, and the future. Well, I've, I've been around healthcare for a long time, uh, and, all during that time frame, there's there's been this concept out there that uh, we are uh, need to be about uh, creating wellness and not healthcare, and mm-hmm. you know we need to to move towards capitated systems of payment that will reward people uh, for keeping people healthy instead of rewarding them for performing procedures and. Um, you know, having high volumes of testing and, uh, and inpatient um, visits to the hospital or emergency room visits or clinic visits. 
Um, and to be honest, uh, I've heard it for 33 years and I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing it, it happen uh, to a great degree, um, at least in my experience. You know? And again, I, one of the things I hope to, to find is as I travel around the world is find where people are doing it better than maybe we are here in the United States. But mm-hmm. I have seen a slice of uh, a light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, with population health and some of the work that we have done um, at Grady around um, our chronic heart failure disease patients. And mm-hmm. those, those patients who are struggling because of previous heart attacks or um, other things that have caused their heart function to go down and uh, thereby kind of really limited their, their ability to uh, have a high quality of life. And uh, we've been able to work with predictive analytics and um, some uh, great clinicians who have helped uh, folks at Grady understand this issue and actually get a hold of these patients early on in their disease processes and try to bring interventions to the table that don't really make sense for an acute care hospital. Things like um, providing um, good nutritious food through a a food bank program that that is tied to a farmer's market or um, making sure that uh, they uh, have their prescriptions uh, filled and if they don't, uh, you send runners to go out and get those prescriptions filled for them. Not something that we are really staffed to do in an acute care hospital, but we Mm -hmm. we did our program at Grady. Uh, When people can't find transportation, you send Uber or Lyft to pick them up so that they can come into their clinic visits and get their medications reconciled and and refilled and um, get their um, lab tests done to see where they stand and keep in front of the disease process by continually engaging those people with these chronic illnesses. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's the future that, that is uh, in front of us. Um, it's going to have to be driven ultimately by payers that are willing to um, give some uh, upfront money in demonstration projects uh, to hospitals that will do this type of initiative, find out what works, and then duplicate it across our healthcare systems. So I think that we're starting to see those demonstration projects similar to what Grady's done, um, utilizing those uh, predictive analytics tools that are just kind of getting launched in the last five years. And I do think that we're going to see some great gains in keeping people well, or at least keeping them from deteriorating when they have chronic illnesses like emphysema Mm -hmm. and and, uh, chronic heart failure and asthma and those type of things. Interesting. Interesting. And yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. It's, we're starting to see some glimmers of hope there, you know, from a payer perspective, Uh, Patrick, I could imagine there's, there's things like macro and backpack. So like legislation and like stuff that the CMS is putting out to kind of align incentives between payers and providers. Are you, are you seeing any, anything new coming out um, 
that's causing payers to respond accordingly or or is it more just a groundswell or do you see anything at a macro level happening that has you um, optimistic about the possibilities? Yeah, on a national basis, I still think it's kind of uh, they're waiting to see what demonstration projects work and what don't. I do mm-hmm. believe in in Georgia that they're starting to we're starting to see a groundswell of somehow mm-hmm. expanding the Georgia Medicaid program, um, mm-hmm. and again maybe in conjunction with a demonstration project. Um, but I think that is something that that would greatly impact uh, downtown Atlanta healthcare is uh, if we can see an expansion mm-hmm. of Medicaid with those federal funds that, that can be drawn down upon um, uh, and do it in a way that hopefully um, targets these type of things we've been talking about, dealing with the, the chronic illnesses and preventing readmissions and those type of things that will drive down the costs so that it's sustainable even if mm-hmm. funding is taken away, which is what the Georgia legislatures and governors have been afraid of is, well, yeah, they give us this money, but then if they take it away, we have to sustain the services that are being offered. So I think if we can uh, do it towards projects that are demonstrating an ROI, maybe that's the way we can uh, get those federal funds into help Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that sounds that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, we're in an interesting time, and 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 I think things that you've done at, at Grady and previous lives, uh, it's uh, it, it's starting to take shape. And you know, it takes these. It feels like it takes these like glimmer. It's nice these nice little demonstrations and projects to see. You know, hey, look, this works. This is scalable. And then you do something that doesn't scale sometimes, like going to get someone's meds or call an Uber ride for them. But then you're also looking at things like robotics and you know, the uh, remote surgical uh, projects you're doing. And, and, you know, the combination of these is just really super exciting for the, the future. Um, Patrick, um, this has been great having you on the show. And, you know, we'd love to have you back. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, throughout the year or later on this year, we can you can come back and talk about some of the, the healthcare roles you've staffed and the different organizations and healthcare organizations around the world that you've been staffing for. It'd be great to hear those stories. And, and what things that they're doing, what type of projects they're doing at a scalable level from an operations perspective. It'd be great to hear about that. Yeah. But uh, for our listeners, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I would love that. Yeah, I'm going to be taking a trip to uh, to Saudi Arabia in April. So maybe I could come back on after that and tell you what I learned from them. Yeah, that would be powerful. That would be powerful, Patrick. I really, really appreciate that. And um, Patrick, it was great having you on this show and for this episode. Um if people want to engage with you or listeners want to engage with you, what would be the best way to do so? Uh, you can reach out to me at uh, my new company, Adelstone uh, Group LLC. And my email there is patrick.green, no E on the end of green, at Adelstone, A-D-I-L-S-T-O-N-E dot com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Patrick, this is great having you on. We'll put links uh, and, and info uh, on the uh, show notes. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show. And to our listeners out there, uh, thanks again for joining us. And this is another episode of the Pop Health Show uh, for meant for anyone that's uh, determined and passionate about making anyone healthy in this world. So thanks again, Patrick. Thank you.